Hey, Bankless Nation, welcome to another State of the Nation episode. We're super excited to host this. It's been a long time coming. It's with our friends at Rocket Pool. Rocket Pool, David, why don't you tell folks what Rocket Pool is? Yeah, Rocket Pool is a decentralized staking as a service system. Uh, and Rocket Pool has been around for a really long time. I remember paying attention to Rocket Pool back during the, the ICO craze, the ICO days. And Rocket Pool has uh, you know, just been laser focused on one thing and one thing alone, which is providing a decentralized staking pool system to in further democratize and decentralize access to providing security for Ethereum. So we're going to dive into what that means and the story thus far for Rocket Pool and a but also, most importantly, their mainnet launch, which is why we're having them on right now. Their mainnet just launched. So congratulations to the to the Rocket Pool community and the Rocket Pool team and Dave and Darren who have been through it all all throughout the bear market and then finally went through got through the other side of the bear market, waiting for all of the uh, Ethereum 2 devs to actually ship proof of stake. Uh, and now that it's finally here, Rocket Pool is following along in the footsteps of Ethereum at large. So I think this is probably the next best thing to staking on your own validator. In fact, it's probably the best thing for a lot of folks because staking on your in your own validator still requires 32 ETH. That's a lot of money, man, like 32 ETH. So if you don't have 32 ETH and you still want to stake the decentralized way, Rocket Pool is uh, providing an answer to that. And so uh, we're going to talk to the team today all about it. We're going to talk about the wider ETH staking ecosystem too. So we hope you hang out for this conversation. It's going to be great with David and Darren from Rocket Pool. Before we get in, we uh, got to tell you about Opolis. I think this is uh, one of the last days that uh, we're going to be talking about this. Opolis is a DAO that supports self, um, self-sovereign workers, basically. These, these this is the new creative class of worker that David and I are super bullish about, right? So if you've ever, and I, I hear people say this all the time, they're involved in multiple DAOs and they're like, I would quit my corporate job in a heartbeat and go work for a DAO, but I can't because I live in the US and I need health insurance. I need my benefits. Uh, I need like payroll and taxes done for me. That's what Opolis does. So it is a DAO that supports self-sovereign workers in this new economy, provides them health insurance options. And you got to go check them out because right now, if you do, there's a special bonus for listeners to the Bankless podcast. You get a, a thousand work tokens and a thousand bank when you join Opolis by January 1st. And end of the year, now's the time to be thinking about your benefits, what you're going to be doing in 2022, whether you still want to work at that soulless corporate job that you work at right now, or whether you want to take the dive into a DAO, this is a good time to investigate it. So click the link in the show notes and you could chat with a membership steward at Opolis today. Uh, David, some other things going on in the Bankless Nation, man, we're dropping some hot podcasts recently. So there was one on Monday that was with Polygon. Mm -hmm. What was that all about? Yeah, Polygon, which is uh, what we've been calling the Swiss Army Knife of Scaling Solutions. Uh, there's been a bunch of drama recently about abandoning Ethereum because abandoning because Ethereum abandoned its users. Well, Not around here, sir. The, the Polygon team <laughs> disagrees. Uh, and so uh, we brought on uh, Mihalo and Sandeep of the Polygon team to just uh, unpack really the Polygon vision and what it means to have a vibrant layer two ecosystem rather than having a single monolithic chain. So that was fantastic. And then also that what came out this morning is also a, um, a layer zero with Tim Bako. Tim Bako, who is the new all core devs lead, managing the, the core devs of Ethereum, uh, kind of coordinating everyone to make sure they're on the same page. Tim Bako really uh, came onto uh, my radar when he's really pioneered EIP 1559. So uh, we unpacked 
what it's like to be at the deepest levels of Ethereum development, what it's like to actually push changes to Ethereum, and uh, just a lot of lessons about the, the dynamics of clients and client diversity, which is also going to be a bit of a subject here today on the show with Rocket Pool as well. Well, now that is an individual who works for a DAO, right? Ethereum totally. being sort of one of the original DAOs uh, for, for sure. So that'll be an interesting story. I haven't caught up with that podcast yet, David, but it's in my queue. Uh, let me start with the question I ask you every single state of the nation. What is the state of the nation today, my friend? Yeah, the state of the nation is sinking, which is kind of an interesting word. But for longtime Bankless listeners, you might be reminded of the protocol sync thesis, which I think it really underpins a lot of what we talk about here at Bankless. The protocol sync thesis in a sentence is that the most credibly neutral, the most protocolized components of Ethereum sink down to the bottom and allow other people to build on top of that. And the more and more we can find things that are more credibly neutral, are, are just more protocolized, less governance, uh, Things like Uniswap, for example, are deep in the protocol sync. Things like ENS are deep in the protocol sync. Many, many things are built on these things. And Rocket Pool is really a piece of infrastructure that is at the deepest level of the protocol sync, very core to Ethereum. And when something like Rocket Pool comes online, we all get to go a little bit deeper down the protocol sync. So Ryan, today we are syncing. Sinking, but in a good way. In a good way yeah. <laughs> this is a sinking that makes our systems more robust and more mm -hmm. decentralized and is a core part of the, the bankless thesis that we've been talking about so much. So we will be back to talk all about that, to get into the Rocket Pool story with Darren and Dave. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Living a bankless life requires taking control over your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the Bankless Nation already have their Ledger hardware wallet, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is much more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite DeFi apps all in one spot, Ledger Live is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy your crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into all of the DeFi apps and services that you're used to. Using Ledger Live, you can stake your ETH in Lido, swap on DEXs like Paraswap, or display your NFTs with Rainbow. You can also use Wallet Connect inside of Ledger Live to connect to all the other DeFi apps that keep coming online. DeFi never stops growing, and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all of the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has, and stay tuned as more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab a ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your DeFi apps all in one space. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that's going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. And now it's live and has over 100 projects deployed. Gas fees on Ethereum L1 suck. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. And that's why teams like Arbitrum have been hard at work developing layer two solutions that makes transactions on Ethereum cheap and instant. Arbitrum increases Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and overall make a better user experience, 
Go to developers.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. And if you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps being built on Arbitrum. Many DeFi applications on the Ethereum L1 are migrating over to layer twos like Arbitrum, and some are even skipping over the layer ones entirely and deploying directly on layer two. There's so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so go to bridge.arbitrum.io now and start bridging over your ETH or any of the tokens listed and start having the DeFi or NFT experience that you've always wanted. Hey guys, welcome back. This is our episode on super staking, super staking ETH with our friends from Rocket Pool. We have Darren, who is the general manager at Rocket Pool. Also Dave, who is the CTO of Rocket Pool. Darren, Dave, great to have you guys back on Bankless. How's it going? Um, good, good. It's uh, great to be back. I think last time I had a chat with uh, Dave, it was probably a bit over a year ago now, I think. So, yeah, yeah. It's crazy uh, that content's yeah. already a year old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm surprised yeah, no, he hasn't appreciate... tried to uh, recruit you into David Dow yet, uh, Dave. As, as well, a uh, matter of fact, <laughs> we were just talking <laughs> yes, about that previously. So, uh, yeah, um, I shall be in there, in there shortly. Apparently, there's over 200 Daves in there now, which is... Oh, my gosh. I just set up your shill, David Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing that. that. <laughs> and how's it going, Darren? No, Is there a Darren Dow yet, or are you focused on Rocket Pool still? <laughs> There is, there is not a Darren Dow. There won't be for a little while, I think. <laughs> That's great. Well, it's uh, fantastic to have you both on. We've been uh, wanting to do this yeah, for a while, uh, particularly post-launch. Um, and I know, look, this has been the year of ETH staking, massive year. I think tomorrow it'll be a year since the Beacon Chain launched and ETH staking was available. And I remember a year ago at this time how all of us were very worried about um, issues with the beacon chain, like would the launch go successfully? And then if it does launch, would we get the uh, the amount of stake necessary to actually fire up the beacon chain? And everyone was worried, will we get, you know, I think it was like, um, how much was it? 500,000 we were looking for, ETH staked uh, was sort of the yeah. threshold. Now we are well beyond that. Okay, we have left <laughs> 500,000 uh, behind. And uh, I know Rocket Pool has been a part of the ETH staking story from, from the inceptions. And two weeks ago, Rocket Pool launched on Mainnet, which is huge because I know you guys have been working to launch this right, working to optimize for decentralization. Uh, I'm going to uh, shout out a few stats. Uh, in the first two days of operation, Rocket Pool registered 237 node operators across 42 global locations with a thousand over a thousand ETH staked. Uh, that's huge. I know it's been more than two days now, but I just want to say congrats to both of you on behalf of Bankless. Congrats to the Rocket Pool team, the Rocket Pool community. How does it feel to be on the other side of a major launch? It, uh, it honestly, after this long, it still doesn't quite feel real because we've been building this now for so long. Like we were probably the only platform that existed for the previous version of staking, which was smart contract, like over three, four years ago. So to kind of get through that, get through launch, get through the ability for smart contracts to receive draws, which was a key part to Rockable Pool being truly decentralized for Ethereum 2 staking. Um, yeah, it's it's been a ride, but we I'm absolutely stoked like we are launched now. So it took uh, an absolute ton of work. Our, our community was has been absolutely amazing through that. Like huge shout out to those guys because they've been backing us 100%. Like there's been there's been delays. We've had you know like if you can't test that, we've had five betas up to this point, which is an absurd amount of betas for any project to have. Um, and you know we've been through multiple rounds of audits. So 
Um, yeah, the patients with our community as well and their support has kind of really, like, really driven Rockpool to get to this kind of successful launch. So, yeah, huge, huge shout out to them and basically everyone else that's kind of repped us and backed a decentralized solution to staking today because, I mean, that is necessary for the ecosystem uh, at large. I mean, we've seen a large amount of exchanges kind of, um, you know, centralizing a large portion of the staking. So now hopefully we can kind of counter that with a balance to our current client diversity at the same time. Darren, you feeling that too? You feeling that energy? How's, yeah. how's it feeling on your it, side? It's uh, It's been uh, a very exciting ride, to be honest. Um, uh, we were kind of heads down getting the development done. And, uh, and now that the, um, uh, now that the, uh, it's actually launched, um, it's um, kind of fantastic. Actually, a little update on the kind of numbers. Um, so we're at twenty five thousand ETH at the moment, um, being staked across um, across Rocket Pool. Sorry. <laughs> so does that, yeah. Does that so ring every really, time really... someone uh, adds <laughs> points to the pool? <laughs> That's all right. I am going to turn that off completely. Yeah, Darren, um, you, you, you're so, front-running us on the numbers. Uh, so 25,000 ETH staked. Uh, how many node operators do you have now? Uh, so 450. 450, so 450 nice. node operators uh, across um, 59 global locations. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really kind of going well. Um, it's actually been uh, – so we've actually only really been operating for 10 days, um, uh, yeah. kind of full bore. Um, the, the rest of the time we were um, – uh, kind of going through a staged a staged launch and um, so we were kind of staggering out our launch we've only really been operating for 10 days so to get that far in then we were is we've kind of blown away so it's amazing so, so yeah. now just to be clear there are no governors on there was previously some caps in terms of i know when you first launched how much ETH could be deposited but now yep. all of those governors are gone uh it's completely open for anyone to uh to stake their eth there's no cap or yep. governor on top of it. Is that correct that's, that's right, right exactly yeah you yes, have exactly. a deposit pool size limit but that's baked into the protocol as a kind of a safety mechanism so uh beyond that that's two thousand other so um, yeah, if the deposit pool ever kind of gets to that maximum amount and there's no node operators coming online, then the commission rate for new node operators to stake that other goes up significantly to kind of incentivize to, them to come on. So that's the only kind of real cap that we have at the moment, but it's actually part of the protocol. Right, um, it's a yeah, it's, resource it's, management it's, part of the protocol, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So the, the more ether that's in rock pool that isn't staking kind of drags down the rewards for um, our ETH users. So we can't have too much of that, which is why we kind of limit it to 2,000, which is a pretty, pretty hefty amount. But still, not so much. It would drag down. It would, like, it would add uh, idle ether to the to the protocol, which is something we don't want too much of. And uh, uh, listeners who are familiar with the dynamics of ETH staking might notice that this is actually kind of a fractal off of how ETH staking works, where uh, the the more and more ETH supply that's supplied to the Ethereum protocol, uh, the more total ether is issued, but the less ether is issued on a per individual uh, unit basis. And Rocket Pool is managing the supply. Uh, in a similar way, if there is more, if, if more nodes need to come to Rocket Pool because the Rocket Pool has plenty of ETH staked, more RPL will be issued to nodes to incentivize them to spin up more nodes. So it's kind of it's, uh, creating an equilibrium based off of the, the available resources that needed to be added to the Rocket Pool network. Is that all correct? Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's, that's pretty close. Yeah. So we have, we have um, 
we, we essentially cater to two main uh, user groups. And we have users that want to kind of stake, uh, doing a liquid staking with the, the R8 token. This is basically a token that you hold that gains rewards over time based on the average performance of all the validators in the Rockpool decentralized network. So that's, these are guys that would, you know, typically not want to run a node, would just be happy to kind of sit on, um, you know, a, a token that gains rewards over time based on the performance of a decentralized network. Uh, and the other, the other half of the audience is obviously the node operators that need to do the staking. So these are the guys that are really kind of backbone of the network and they have the most to gain um, by participating in Rocket Pool. So they could stake their own nether outside of Rocket Pool, but if they come inside Rocket Pool, they also earn an additional commission and also RPL rewards on top of that to incentivize them to uh, join the protocol and you know kind of help out with decentralized staking. So we actually have so much to talk about with. We want to talk about our ETH because the market for staked ETH derivative tokens, I think, is going to be really, really big. Uh, we definitely want to fully unpack the RPL token. Um, so, But before we go in and talk about all the subjects all at once, I actually want to back up and kind of just give listeners a quick little history lesson about Rocket Pool and how it came to be and why, what was the motivation for designing Rocket Pool at all? So can you guys just kind of speed run us through the last like three to four years of, of Rocket Pool history and how you guys have gotten <laughs> to be where you are? Um, yeah, I can probably start at that. So uh, back in about mid 2016, um, there was a, um, oh, there was kind of on the roadmap for Ethereum that time was, you know, the proof of stake. Uh, proof of stake then back then was actually done through a smart contract. The beacon chain, as we know it today, didn't exist back then. It was all going to be deposits into a smart contract and whatnot. And back then, these deposits uh, originally started out at 32 ETH. Then they kind of realized that the scaling involved to have a smart contract kind of doling out rewards and all that would basically clog the network. So you need, in order to uh, kind of get around that, they raised the staking cap to, to I think it was 1,000 ether per validator, which is by today's standards, it would just be absolutely asinine. So, um, so yeah, obviously back then they realized that was a huge issue. Um, I was kind of looking for a project. Oh, I, I Personally, I'd been in the blockchain scene since, since about 2013. Um, and I was, you know, well aware of Ethereum. I was kind of looking for a project to kind of sink my ticket teeth into, uh, learn about smart contracts. Uh, so I was insanely interested in them at the time. I thought it was an absolutely amazing concept. Um, yeah, so basically came up with the idea you know, it's such a high amount of ether, whether it's 32 or 1,000 back then, you know, people would obviously need to kind of combine their ether together in order to earn rewards. So, um, yeah, I started on a prototype of Rocket Pool way back then based on uh, something called the Move paper, which is a, a paper that Vitalik put out. Uh, I think it was in mid to late 2016. And this basically outlined the functions that would be embedded into uh, this early smart contract version proof of stake. So that allowed me to kind of write Rocket Pool to, to plug into that because we already had a pretty early definition of how the, the functions would work. So uh, anyway, fast forward about another nine months after that. Um, I think it was about mid 2017, released the alpha version of Rocket Pool. Um, from there, it got an absolutely massively good reception. Uh, on Reddit and a few other the, the busy Ethereum hubs at the time. Um, yeah, and since then we've basically just gone through, um, we obviously we obviously did a, a token uh, sale 2017 that uh, happened about three months before the bear market did. So <laughs> we, um, that, that was timing wise, that was interesting, but we basically got away on a pretty compact team for the next uh, year until around 2018, when we released our first beta, the same week they announced they were pivoting to the beacon chain. So, uh, so we still went ahead with that beta anyway. I think we were the only, the only project to ever actually use the previous version of proof of stake. 
uh, for Ethereum. So you could kind of say Rocket Pool was operating on previous <laughs> a couple of years before it was even available. Can we just pause yeah. there, Dave, for a minute? Because like I, I just want folks who who weren't there in 2018 to to realize this. So like I remember this very clearly. And um, proof of stake was going to launch in 2018, that smart contract proof of stake version on Ethereum. In fact, it was like written into some of the clients. I believe the, like the code was was ready. The code is prepped. Was, yeah. And then I recall uh, some kind of meeting of the minds with Ethereum core devs and researchers, and they did like a complete rug pull on it is what it felt like to be a member of the community at that time. Like I know there were good reasons for it, and it totally makes sense uh, retrospectively. But for someone working on staking for the previous like 18 months, two years, uh, how did that feel? And like, why did you stick with Ethereum during that time, guys? Um, well, personally, I, I was always a pretty, um, pretty massively into Ethereum. I just, like I said, I love the concept of smart contracts. That wasn't really available anywhere else at the time. So I pretty much embedded myself in the Ethereum ecosystem. And a lot of people I met along the way were super nice and lovely people as well. So that was just a pleasure to kind of work in that environment. Uh, at that time, though, when that did happen, I mean, that, that was a, a pretty big shock. We actually heard rumors uh, maybe a week or two before it officially landed. Uh, that that was possibly what was going to happen. So that was just a rumor at the time. And I know Langers, you you were around then as well when this was kind of going down. Um, so at, yeah, basically once that happened, um, we pretty much just had to uh, take a really close look at the kind of new proposed system, uh, see what elements of Rockpool would carry over to that one. Luckily, most of the core concepts, um, the way we kind of organize deposits into mini pools, which is our version of validator, um, most of that still, uh, you know, carried over quite quite well. Obviously, we weren't baked into, uh, you know, a layer one uh, kind of system as much because now we had to do depend on two different chains, you know, chains, the beacon chain and the layer one chain. Uh, so that required some a couple of additional fixes. But at, at the time, it was yeah, we, it was a little it was a little hairy, and um, yeah, honestly, it was it was a bit disappointing because I mean, when you put work into something for two plus years. And you don't really get an official heads up before the main announcement comes out. The, yeah, that was that was a little bit of a gut punch, but you know we 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 rolled with it, and um, yeah, we're we're still here. So Langers was actually around then too. So I don't know yeah. if you want to throw in your and I think, Langers. Yeah, well, I think once um once the the shock had worn off a little bit, uh, the realization, especially when you um, dig into uh, what was produced at that point, um, or why they were doing it, um what the new beacon chain would look like and that, and that sort of thing. Uh, from somebody who is kind of quite deep into it, uh, it made so much more sense. Um, and uh, the the design that we've ended up with is is so much better than, than it what it than it would have been. So um, it kind of uh, it that that kind of made it bittersweet, I guess it it, it was definitely um uh, definitely much better. Worth the wait worth the way and this is why i I think this the rocket pool story i think is just a a fantastic just like again fractal off of the the larger ethereum story where the ethereum story is like man we really got to figure out this proof of stake thing let's start building it oh no we need to go in a different direction meanwhile you have the rocket pool team like you know waiting for the ethereum proof of stake to actually like exist so it can build its thing right and so like trying to be running and developing in parallel with ethereum 
while Ethereum is trying to figure its stick out. Uh, and then once once Ethereum actually does commit to one specific roadmap, well, then now that the rocket pool community can actually actually inject the energy into the, the finalized, you know, solidified foundation. And so like where like all the Ethereum people were like waiting for proof of stake, proof of stake, all of the rocket pool, pool people were waiting for rocket pool who was waiting for proof of stake. Right. It was it's just like this, uh, the, this fractal of, of these uh, com communities just playing off of each other. Yeah, that, that's yeah, I think, that's very much it. <laughs> so I think I, uh, being on the being on the edge is uh, is a lot of fun, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as long as you don't fall off too many times. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it's it, yeah, it's it's definitely fun. We're kind of working at that at that bleeding edge. And definitely one of a, a similar um, motivation is like, you know, people stuck to Ethereum because they believed in Ethereum and you guys stuck to Rocket Pool because you believe in Rocket Pool. But let's back up and just articulate for the listeners why, why it was so obvious that something like Rocket Pool would need to be built so early in Ethereum's lifespan. So like, like, Dave, you're, you're looking at Ethereum, you know it's committed to proof of stake, and all of a sudden you realize that like, oh, these, this thing called a decentralized staking pool must need to exist at some point in time. Why did you know that that was true? What, what, and what is the Rocket Pool vision? Um, so basically at, at the time, um, yeah, around 2000, mid 2016, when I kind of came up with the concept, um, Bitcoin was obviously, you know, the, the king at time and, you know, is still to some degree. But back then, um, it was pretty much concentrated around a couple of mining pools. I mean, that was kind of the trajectory that Ethereum was going to head on with proof of stake as well. Um, if, you know, a decentralized solution didn't quite present itself. So um, that's what really kind of made me put my head down and kind of, kind of come up with the initial concept of how it would work. Um, it, it's, it's taken a long time to get here, so it wasn't an easy thing to produce, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, as far as uh, Rocket Pool itself goes, um, I think the main thing I'm probably, uh, you know, proudest of is obviously the decentralized nature of it and also the client diversity, because that's something that we really kind of need to um, promote uh, within Ethereum itself, uh, especially obviously with the staking, uh, because currently there is, it is centralized around kind of one main client. And again, that's not a, a healthy thing for the ecosystem. So we, we are pretty much all about kind of, um, you know, enabling Ethereum to be a healthy ecosystem and not too centralized around any central aspect. So that's kind of what we've been promoting, essentially. Darren, anything to add on to that? Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, we've only really been in operation for a little while, so it's, it's difficult to tell, um, uh, but we are already kind of seeing a bit of a, an effect on the client diversity. Um, we've implemented uh, in our kind of the way that you install our software. Um, we have a, a, a thing that essentially suggests if you if if you um, choose Prism, we suggest you know you can you can still choose Prism if you want to because we're not going to um, censor clients, but um, we suggest um, you, you choose another client. Um, we're already kind of seeing that in some of the proposal numbers and um, from the Rocket Pool proposers. Um, that um, Lighthouse is, is definitely popular, but other um, um, clients as well are very popular. So uh, Nimbus is, is very popular and, and Teku as well. And Prism is kind of a smaller percentage of our uh, kind of node base so far. Um, that will obviously change over time, but the, it's, we're already kind of seeing that, which is really nice to see. 
And uh, of course, a big part of the, the Rocket Pool story is actually um, reducing the barriers to entry for ETH staking, right? Uh, once again, like Dave said, once upon a time, it actually was required to have a thousand Ether to stake in order uh, for proof of stake. That has since changed down to down to 32. But then also 32 ETH has moved from, you know, where it used to be at $10,000 up to where it is now with that over, uh, I'm not going to on the fly math, but over hundreds of hey, thousands look, of dollars. I- yeah, 320K. Let's just say that. Let's imagine a world where ETH is 10K already. I'm living in the future, David. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's hiding the fact that he can't do quick math either. <laughs> but, but so, yeah, so like $320,000, like, uh, uh, um, or, you know, this is it's too much for one person uh but also that's not only that's not only uh the the whole story either because the cool thing about rocket pool is if you don't have eth you can bring a node and if you don't have enough uh nodes you can bring your eth right Uh, and so like which which of the resources do you want to bring to the network because rocket pool can can match make uh between the the node suppliers and the eth suppliers and and and, uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i think of all staking as a service providers out there uh, I think the the next highest one is only coming in at like 13 individual nodes, where Rock Pool, Rocket Pool is clocking in at over 400, and also doesn't have any constraints on the total number of nodes that can be contributed to the overall overall network. Uh, is that right? Yeah, that that's correct. Um, yeah, so it's obviously um, built in the protocol that we incentivize these node operators to join, and it works. We we don't restrict any one party. Uh, pretty much, if you uh, can register a node with our network. Uh, with the protocol, I should say, um, then yeah, you're free to, free to join. I mean, everything's balanced within Rockpool through incentives built into the protocol. So we don't need to enforce uh, any kind of restrictions on location or anything. Uh, everyone should work in everyone's best interest based on the kind of tokenomics and uh, mechanics that are in the protocol. So it's permissionless for nodes to join the network. I, I want to uh, yeah. maybe share some uh, some metrics here. This is um, on the Dune dashboard on uh, Dune Analytics dashboard on Rocket Pool. So just making sure that uh, everybody listening kind of understands some of these numbers here. So the total ETH amount staked is over 24,000, as we mentioned. Uh, total ETH submitted to Rocket Pool. Are, is there some ETH like that's pending in a pool? Because this number is twenty over 27,000. Uh, what does this number tell us? Yeah, so there's, there's a deposit pool um, that is... Uh, Actually, I need to double check where those numbers come from, but um, there is a deposit pool, yeah. So there's okay. um, uh, you deposit into uh, our ETH stakers deposit into a deposit pool, and okay. then that gets matched with um, 16 ETH from um, other operators. And then we have 450 node registered node operators. So these are individuals or you know companies or groups, whatever. These these are individual nodes inside of the network. Do each of these 450 represent an independent entity or do you have any any way of knowing whether they do or not? We pretty much only require a node address to, to be registered. So we, we can't tell, we, we don't hold any specific information about uh, any node operas or anything. Um, it's part of being a permissionless kind of uh, protocol. So you, they are free to register from wherever they are. But one thing we do provide is when they do register, they have the option to also register their time zone. So this kind of gives us a really good, and this is auto detected from the system. So uh, if you if you do register your time zone and it is auto detected, um, yeah, we, can, we have a network map which builds out, which shows you how diverse the actual node operator base is. So if you actually go to our website, yeah, you can view a network map where we display this out 
uh, for everyone to see. So you'll basically see nodes from all across the world. So yeah, it should be at uh, stake.rocketpool.net. Stake.rocketpool.net. Yep. And this will show, uh, let's see, I'm just pulling yep, this up so here. Yep, so let's go there. Uh, now, if you uh, go to the side there, that little side menu, and you click on, yep, should be a network map. Yeah, that so that's a, that's the network map, yeah. So that, that's built out of the uh, nodes that have registered. Uh, on the protocol. So the only thing we record, and this is optional, like the, you can see down the bottom there, there's a hidden section. So if you don't want to reveal your time zone as a node operator, that's perfectly fine. We're not going to force you um, do that. So yeah, this shows you a pretty broad general map of all the node operators, their location, uh, the kind of ether that's being staked in that location. So you can see if it's centralized around any one kind of area. And this is, this is a very broad kind of map too. It is actually broken down into much more individual time zones, but obviously to, to show this on a map, we need to kind of group them together as well. So for those uh, who can't see this or maybe listening to the, in the podcast, we'll include a link in the show notes, but we're looking at a world map and we're seeing nodes uh, across all of the different continents. So we've got uh, 240 North American nodes, 119 uh, European nodes, 20 Asian nodes in the Pacific uh, as well, Australia, uh, South America, some are hidden as well, and just really spans the the entire globe. And I guess that is the the big distinction with Rocket Pool, right? Like to date, no one has produced a uh, staking pool network where it's permissionless to join as a node operator. And you guys have 450 node operators so far. That is the big distinction here. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that is definitely correct. What is uh, mini pools? What, what what does that mean? That's that's our version of a validator, basically. So that's Rockpool validated, which is made up of 16 Ether from a node operator and also 16 Ether from uh, the protocol itself. So the protocol uh, gets its Ether from the deposit pool, which is what people send Ether to when they wish to receive our RE liquid staking token. So uh, they're basically staking uh, themselves for, uh, for free. So we don't charge node operators to stake in the network. Um, so... But, and they also earn a commission for staking that other 16 Ether that, that comes from the protocol um, from these RETH users. So it's kind of a unique balancing opportunity where you balance uh, deposits from people coming that want to do liquid staking but not run a node with those that do want to run a node and earn a higher commission than they would staking solo or basically through any other way currently available. I think Rockpool would be the most profitable way to stake with a node uh, currently. And there was another number there that we're, we're going to talk about later. These are uh, o, um, ODAO uh, operators, right? So it's like the Oracle network, which we'll, we'll come back to later. But I wanted to show this um, this this chart. I don't know how old this is. This is you know uh, something I've seen before, but this is current. Uh, the current it's a pie chart of all of the ETH staked, and this is kind of grouped by entity. I'm not sure if this is completely up to date, but it gives you a, a representative view of ETH staking, at least in the last couple of months. And you could see some of the consolidation, as you're saying earlier, Dave, like you didn't, when you were starting Rocket Pool, you didn't want it to start to resemble Bitcoin mining pools, right? Where it's just yeah. like centralized among a very few set of providers. And um, we're starting to see maybe a little bit of that with ETH staking, right? We have Kraken with potentially 11%, and that is uh, definitely a custodial exchange that is providing a staking service. We have Binance, who's up there. 
I don't even see uh, Coinbase on this list. So that shows me that Coinbase something is, is sneaky with their addresses. It, yeah, okay. So something is missing here. Like Coinbase should definitely be here. We have Lido, which is uh, spread across like 13 different validators. Uh, but anyway, I guess I want to ask the question, do you think that ETH staking to date is overly centralized? Like, do we have a problem here? Or do you think more that this could be a problem in the future? And that's why we need Rocket Pool. Dave, what do you think first? Yeah, I think it is heading in that direction. I mean, you can see that basically on this chart the way it is for currently. And we, we also, like you said, Coinbase is sneaky with their, their addresses as well. So um, yeah, it's it, it's basically going to become uh, a, a competition between the central providers who can obviously offer the most um, kind of lo the lowest fee to stake with them and so forth. So I do think over time you will see that you know centralized even more. But um, hopefully with Rocket Pool now kind of on mainnet, um, that won't be uh, an issue as much, and hopefully will be uh, minimized in the long term as you know potentially other decentralized staking services come along too. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Darren? Yeah, I think that we're, it's it's definitely um, centralizing uh, and we need to, to go in the other direction. Uh, so hopefully that, that is where we come in. Um, and uh, the, the idea is to get our ETH in as many places as possible, uh, to integrate it across uh, the whole of DeFi, um, in every wallet um, and all of that sort of thing. And a lot of people have been reaching out about, about that. A lot of protocols have been reaching out. So um, it's, it's a to try and make uh, our ETH as ubiquitous as possible. The last thought on this So is, that everyone has access. Uh, last question for you guys, and it's kind of the vision for Rocket Pool is, is do you see uh, Rocket Pool as, as kind of like a public good? We're like veering in that direction, right? So, uh, you know, we've, we've recently seen ENS uh, launch, launch a token, do an airdrop, for instance, and that is more skewed towards the public good side of the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem, right? So like, they don't view themselves as uh, another kind of identity DeFi type app or Ethereum application. So much they're not as they a startup. Themselves. Yeah, they're not a startup. Yeah. They're, they're more a public good. And I've heard you e even talk about like some things that you care about, like client diversity, which is interesting. And of, co of course, people in Ethereum uh, you know, on the ETH2 team will recognize that there are multiple ETH2 clients. Uh, you know, there's, there's Prism, there's Nimbus, there, there's many others. And it's kind of a public good to try to balance out the, the client usage and to make sure that one client doesn't dominate over the rest, that we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. And you care about that as well. So what are your thoughts on this? Is Rocket Pool like a, a public good or is it, is it veering that direction? Or you know, what do you think of that concept, uh, Dave? Um, yeah, I, I definitely think we are veering in that direction if we're not there already. Um, pretty much the goal from, from day one was to make um, it, it kind of a, a decentralized protocol um, that, that helps the ecosystem that it, it runs on. So it's pretty much a positive feedback loop where the bigger decentralized they can get, the better the ecosystem is, the better client diversity gets, uh, and so forth. So um, we, we are trying to be as kind of hands-off from a uh, kind of custodian kind of point of view where we don't have direct control over the protocol. Um, it's all run in it through incentives, basically. Incentives drive the protocol itself. So we don't really, we can't say, you know, X, you know, this will happen here, this will happen there. It basically just all kind of drives itself through incentives. So um, hopefully that does work in, you know, the, the larger Ethereum protocol. Um, 
uh, over the long term. And I, I do think it will have a positive influence. And that's kind of what we're going to try and kind of, in, um, yeah, do do going forward. Yeah. Darren, anything to add? Uh, they've covered it quite well. Uh, but yeah, on, the, on the spectrum, on the spectrum of things, we are definitely on uh, the kind of protocol decentralized end. Uh, it trying to be as kind of neutral and um, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, as decentralized as possible, essentially. I'm going to use this word at least four more times during this podcast, but just like how this industry is an industry of crypto economics, uh, Rocket Pool is a crypto economic fractal off of, that was the word, fractal off of Ethereum. Uh, and so you know, Ethereum uses crypto economics to sustain itself. It uses incentives to encourage people to buy and stake Ether to secure the network. And Rocket Pool does the same thing, but with a more usable uh, more uh, uh, more adaptive uh, layer on top of Ethereum that is a decentralized staking as a service system. Uh, and I think the people have definitely tapped into this particular angle that you guys are approaching, the decentralization maxi angle and the, the, the one, the, the, the application layer of Ethereum where the application actually resonates with the core protocol itself. Uh, ENS comes to mind, as Ryan said, but also Uniswap 2. Some things just about in the Ethereum app layer just resonate more deeply with the Ethereum protocol. And that's definitely something that I found in, in the Rocket Pool community. So I want to do, do a, a quick dive into the Rocket Pool community. Who, who are they? And like, what, what's their vibe? What do they really care about? And how did you guys garner such a, an engaged community in the depths of a bear market? This is going to be a landmine question. I'm going to have to walk around carefully. <laughs> so I'm going to cop a lot of stuff. I see anything. Um, yeah, no. Obviously, we are, we have a very passionate community. Um, we pretty much always always have, and I think that is driven from the previous question where you're working uh, towards the benefit of the protocol itself, um, trying trying to instill good in the thing that you're building on top of. Uh, so I do think that kind of comes through in the community. Um, we have a lot of very passionate, uh, some incredibly talented people too. Like a lot of the stuff that is being uh, built for Rocket Pool. Uh, so we have a metrics dashboard by, by VGR, which is really good. Uh, we have a bot in our Discord, which reports any events uh, in the Rockpool network done by Visible Symbol. That was really good as well. Um, so, it, like, we have a ton of metrics ourselves. We can kind of see what's going on in the Rockpool network at any time. But now, thanks to our community efforts in our Discord, any event that happens in the Rockpool network is immediately reported by this bot. So, um, and that, that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we, we have people that do... Um, you know, like uh, various bots reporting, you know, RPO ratios, prices, stats, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been an insane. Obviously, I'm going to have to mention the trading channel because this is pretty much the, uh, the, the core kind of passion of our Discord does, does shine through this channel. And it is, um, it is actually one that I created uh, a, a few years ago to kind of like just put all central trading talk into the one spot because at the time a lot of discords didn't allow trading or kind of price talk but i mean that that's going to happen anyway so there's, there's no point in trying to kind of outlaw or ban it so i just created the trading channel uh snuck, snuck it down the bottom of the discord at the time and you just, just wanted to quarantine all that talk huh <laughs> yeah. well i mean it's going to happen anyway and now it's just so much more than a trading channel it's it's just passionate people that, that analyze every aspect of the protocol. Like if we make the smallest change, it gets analyzed and analyzed. So it, it's grown beyond the, the trading name now. But it's the watering it's still, hole for Rocket trading name. It is. It really is. And we have an absolute ton of other channels too that go over more technical stuff like smart contracts, smart nodes, 
whole bunch of other stuff. And the people that participate in these channels are obviously extremely, some extremely talented people. Um, so if we do ever look like we're going to put a foot wrong, I'm pretty sure we're going to get called out on that leagues ahead before it ever hits mainnet. So we're definitely going to listen to the community as much as we can. Just to, for the listeners that are not watching this on YouTube, you know that the listeners are, are uh, tuning in when they also start going hashtag training in the YouTube chat, trading in the YouTube chats, and also <laughs> uh, channel trading is the new general. So like the, the Rocket Pool community is, is here. And, and, uh, and I, I really think it's a... a, a the nature of how Rocket Pool came to be uh, that really is emblematic of something that uh, was really conducive to create a, a community around it. Uh, Rocket Pool was not this system that was going to generate this massive company with this massive vision. It was a, a very small set of core believers that let the community yeah. come around it, right? And, and uh, again, love the word fractal here. Uh, there's a lot of uh, organizations like this in, in DeFi, like kind of with me and Ryan and, and with Bankless, like we didn't want to make a massive big Bankless corporation. We let the DAO be the be the, the system that scales the message, right? And that really seems to be what's going on with the Rocket Pool community, where it's the Rocket Pool community that's taking the reins and just leaving Dave and Darren and the few other members of the Rocket Pool team to to actually be like the the guys to build out the system. Uh, but how has what is the the Rocket Pool community like stepping into the shoes of? Like, are they are they doing things that are just beyond what you guys are are doing at, at the Rocket Pool like org? Like, what what are they up to? Yeah, so actually, um, a lot of things that, well, first of all, their their feedback is invaluable. So any time um, that we um, put out any sort of research or we put out um, any code or anything like that, their, their, re their kind of feedback is invaluable in that. Um, but the other thing, um, so, so things like uh, we have a huge list of integrations that we're, we're aiming for across, you know, all of DeFi and, and, and wallets and all of that sort of thing. And so our community is kind of playing a part in the outreach um, to reach out to some of these protocols, um, to get information about these protocols, to explain some of the protocols to us because DeFi is expanding so quickly that uh, a, sometimes we need to catch up on that as well. So, so yeah, they are, they're kind of, I think at every step of the way, they've been kind of building Rocket Ball with us. Um, so it's been fantastic. Do you guys think that uh, Rocket Pool falls into the responsibility category in the same way that ENS and kind of get people lumping Gitcoin into where RPL is a responsibility token since it manages the, the economic resources of a public goods? That's an interesting take. I hadn't heard of that one before. But oh, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's yeah, pretty, pretty close to the point, actually. I, I think who who was it Brantley from ENS mm -hmm. who uh, coined this phrase was responsibility. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. After the ENS drop, he said, "You weren't airdropped money. You were airdropped responsibility." This is he's kind of like, "Hey, you're holding a token, but this token is key to you, uh, you know, a, a, an important public good for the Ethereum ecosystem. Take it seriously. Like, do your job. Actually, govern this protocol and make uh, responsible decisions." Um, does that resonate with the RPL use case in your community? Yeah, well, ours, ours is baked into the protocol as an insurance mechanism, essentially, for, for node operators. So, obviously, if you're depositing in the front end and you're getting RE, the, our liquid staking token, um, its value is driven by the performance of the node operator. So, basically, having built-in insurance is critical for that aspect. I mean, if you're going to have a decentralized liquid staking token that, that is you know, abundant in the DeFi ecosystem, you need to have its value backed um, you know, responsibly. So this is done by the node operators who stake a certain amount of RPL themselves, which if they you know ever mess up, mess up massively, this gets 
practically slashed, then auction sold, that ed is then given back to the protocol to kind of make the RE users whole. So that is an absolute critical part of our infrastructure at the moment to make sure that RE, our liquid second token, is pretty much always um, going to have, you know, it, its value remain and not, not be slashed, not, not have any kind of issues happen to it um, to, through a node operator's uh, fault. So that, that is definitely a critical part of our infrastructure and a big responsibility for node operators to make sure if they are staking a lot, they need to kind of stake a lot of RPL at the same time to make sure their insurance is um, adequate and that they are rewarded for this. The more insurance that they basically give the protocol in the form of staking RPL, the more RPL they earn through uh, inflation protocol, which is also baked into it, that is given to them as a reward for putting up this uh, insurance bond. So it, it is is absolutely crucial and i would say it's uh the more up here you stake as an opera the more you're kind of doing a, a a good service to um to rock a pool so one question that's coming in from a, a community a core community member i would say superfiz is uh say say rocket pool is maximally successful and uh actually just becomes too too successful what happens if like more than 51 percent of all ethers staked via rocket pool is this a centralization risk or is that kind of antithetical yeah, that's that's a really interesting one. Um, I'd say it's almost antithetical, but at the same point, you know, we are a smart contract-based protocol, which does come with risks as well, which everyone should kind of take on board when they when they participate. So, um, yeah, having more than fifty-one percent of you know validators going through Rockpool, which also goes through smart contracts, which as I said, have their own kind of risks. So that that would be a worry for me if we did ever get kind of that big. Um, I'm sure there were, there's ways that we could mitigate that at the time, but Obviously, since we are working towards you know being healthy to the ecosystem, that's something that we probably wouldn't want to happen, and we'd probably try and head that off at the past before it did happen in some way. I'm, I'm yet to think of, but I'm, I'm sure we could come up with something. So, I mean, one so one one thing to to bear in mind about that though is, so uh, so Rocket Pool doesn't actually have any influence over your your validation duties. Um, so the the only the only point at which um, Rocket Pool really comes into play is on deposit and withdrawal. So th they're the two um, points at which uh, we would, you know, there could be some sort of influence, um, uh, but more in terms of, but because we're decentralized, um, you know, that, that's mitigated. Um, so that's the that's the, that's the the only thing there. So we don't have to have, have any kind of influence over your validation duties necessarily. So all things being held equal, if we could just somehow just eliminate the world of smart contract risk, there is no way where Rocket Pool could have some sort of outsized control over the Ethereum network because it's not actually controlling the nodes. Is that the answer? Yeah, that's that's it. So yeah. we, we have, yeah, like 450 node operators right now. So um, yeah, that's definitely the answer. We, we're not running 450 nodes ourselves. <laughs> I can assure you that. There's definitely, um, yeah, other people. Uh, so I want to ask about our ETH. Uh, so uh, let's let's go into the very basics of our ETH, and we'll kind of talk about the game plan for getting our ETH integrated into DeFi. Um, but our ETH is the staked ETH derivative token. So when you come to Rocket Pool, you deposit your ether, you get our ETH in return. But our ETH is means that it's supposed to capture the ETH uh, ETH derivatives that are generated by ETH staking. So can you guys unpack the dynamics behind how our ETH actually goes up in value and capturing the actual uh, ether issuance that's issued by Ethereum. Um, Dave, you want to take that? Yeah. So, so with the RA token, so 
it's designed a little bit differently to um, some of the other liquid staking tokens that are out there at this point. Um, we actually came up with the idea of liquid staking, uh, staking almost two years ago, and you can go through all our blog posts on this, but we spent a lot of time kind of designing the mechanics the way our ETH would work. Um, originally, we came up with the idea of perhaps doing a, a kind of a rebasing token where the value of your token is increased uh, pretty much whenever it's moved. Um, this creates kind of an interesting situation for various uh, tax issues depending on your country. So I won't give you any tax advice, but if you are receiving, um, you know, constant rebasing on a, on a liquid staking token, this can make tax uh, very, very kind of hard to, to manage. And it's also kind of treated as an income tax, whereas the way our ETH is designed is we created a token where um, once you get it, um, then it won't rebase. It's just an ERC-20 token. It's just perfectly normal. But the amount you get uh, changes over time if you were staking through the front end of rock pools, if that makes any sense. So it's treated more or less as a kind of a, a capital gains um, tax issue when you want to redeem your RETH forever. Uh, so that creates a single tax event. So that's something that we were very mindful of. It also makes integration with L2 uh, layer two things are much easier from the RH perspective because it is just an ERC-20 token. It's not constantly changing value or anything like that. So that's kind of what we went for at the time. We put a lot of thought into that. Um, but yeah, the way it kind of works, the way since you're not getting this token, which is constantly rebasing and, you know, you can see a number going up essentially, uh, the way it works is through a different mechanic where if you uh, stake, let's say you uh, stake through Rockpool on day one that they were open, uh, you might get, say, you know, one RETH per, per ether that you stake. So that's a one-to-one. -one. Uh, let's say you come back a week later. Uh, if you stake then, uh, say you stake one ether, you might get 0 0.995. And so the amount of RETH you get um, when you stake ether changes over time. So this is kind of, it's a, it's a relatively simple dynamic, but it, it is a, more of a difficult one to wrap your head around initially, but it works so simply and so efficiently from many different perspectives. That's why we put a lot of kind of thought into this. Uh, the way that changes in value over time is based on the performance of all the decentralized node operators. So this is where it gets interesting. So you have, you know, say we have 450 node operators right now staking, um, you know, various validators and whatnot. The performance of their, the average performance of their validators is essentially what's dictated um, in how much RETH you get when you deposit uh, in the front end of a rocket pool. So it's a little bit of a hard dynamic to kind of understand at first, but once it once it clicks, it's it's so simple and it's so efficient for, for many different reasons. Um, I can go into it more than that, but I'm probably already making people confused. Well, let, me, let me ask you a question. Is there anything? Well, yeah. the, let me ask you a question to make sure I understand, Dave. So this is the Rocket yeah. Pool homepage, right? And so yeah. as, it, as as you're saying, at first, maybe it was one to one, right? One ETH yeah. and you receive one uh, RETH. But right now, if I stake one ETH, I would receive 0 0.9939 and then a trail of other digits uh, yes. RETH. Now, I would expect that RETH uh, price to go down relative to ETH. Is that correct? Meaning it is That's gaining value. Yeah, the performance, yeah. So we might expect the, the protocol. Uh, like a, another month from now, this to be like 0 0.990 or something. And yeah, then like yep. eventually it gets to yeah. 0 0.98 and then it what, keeps, it keeps one, going down. Is that correct? Yeah, one, one way of, of looking at it is if you press the, the two arrows that are, that are straight, uh, not not that one, the, the one above. Um, uh, this one. The, Yes, that's it. So actually, this way of looking at it is a, probably a little bit uh, more. Ah, um, okay. Kind of, uh, 
it, it's a bit more helpful. So um, we're actually doing some redesign at the moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, one RETH is actually worth 1.006 because uh, it is accumulated that um, uh, right. since we've been kind of alive. So as um, as kind of the so essentially what happens is you the the value is that your your RETH is redeemable uh, kind of goes up um, over time. And that's that's essentially how it works. It'll right. just keep going up and up and up and up. But up only. now, up only, right? Be you know, as long as the protocol. Yeah, it's monotonic. It goes, it goes up. Um, and the beautiful thing is, this is just a regular old ERC twenty, so it can be ported anywhere. It could be collateral for a maker loan. It could be, you know, put on uh, any layer two. Uh, you can use it the way you'd use any other ERC twenty. Yeah, that's right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. And importantly, uh, over time, one R ETH will you if you buy one R ETH in one year, you will still have one R ETH. But in one year, you will be able to redeem one R ETH for more ether. And the amount that you can redeem it for more ether is a function of the what Dave is saying as uh, the the uptime of the rocket pool network. Is all of that correct? That's correct. Yep. And I see what you're saying. Network. And yeah. I see. So the tax optimizer now sees what you're saying as far as like, you know, the tax events in the system, right? Because you yeah. get, you'd only get the tax events when you're kind of transferring in and out of the RETH. Yeah. So obviously tax is very specific to what country it is. So we, sure. we try not to give general advice, but I mean, it was apparent at the time when we kind of designed this to create, uh, to minimize any of those possible events as much as we could. So that's exactly, that's exactly right. So the only time that's you super would, cool. if you, if you're in a tax paying, you know, capital gains nation, then yeah, when you're trading your ETH back to Ether, that's the only time that you need to worry about that. So you could keep it in our ETH for like 10 years if you wanted to. If you wanted to, yeah. And so something I really want to highlight is that this actually democratizes access to ETH staking well beyond just the ability to just deposit your Ether into Rocket Pool because you can go buy our ETH on Uniswap and that is kind of in an indirect fashion contributing towards the, uh, the our ETH staking or ETH staking inside of Rocket Pool because if somebody just wants like, well, I don't want to stake my node. I don't even know what Rocket Pool is, but I've heard that I can go and buy this our ETH token and it is a token that tracks ether but also with the distributions from ethereum staking and that is just yep. that's a token that's available on uniswap and so you can just buy our eth on uniswap and have all of the the dynamics of eth staking just hidden in the background and any sort of demand for our eth will create uh some sort of arbitrage opportunity for people that want to uh, that maybe there is like a, an arbitrage opportunity because the value of our eth is 2% higher than the ether value. And so somebody can take their ether, deposit into the rocket pool, receive newly minted our ETH, and then sell that into Uniswap and collect that 2% arbitrage. And so in addition to rocket pool, decentralizing access to actually like provi uh, providing ether to nodes and also allowing nodes to be matched with ether, you also can just stake your ether by buying our ETH on Uniswap. It's basically the same thing. Yeah. Any comments on that? That's no, that's very well put. <laughs> Perfect. And then also, that's, a, that's exactly, that's exactly it. The, the only thing I'd add to that is, um, so again, just uh, because of our fantastic community. Uh, so there are actually LPs on uh, Uniswap on, on layer one. There's also uh, on Arbitrum and on Optimism. So you can, uh, you can buy um, any, any, of, any of those places. 
that's exactly where I was going next. And we, we, all, we all want, uh, no, it's perfect. We all want uh, things like Coinbase, Gemini to allow users to deposit their assets right on the L2. That's where the users belong. Uh, and so access to staking and, and ETH staking, the new risk-free rate of the internet is just going to be at people's fingertips as soon as they get all their money over to L2, which users need yeah. to do anyways. That's a cool sentence, David. Mm -hmm. The risk-free rate of the internet. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that, man. Uh, you make that one? an internet bond. <laughs> yeah, so that's good, man. I, I don't think I've heard us say that before. Um, well, can I ask you guys another question? Because so we all very much don't want um, Ethereum, the network, to collapse into sort of a delegated proof-of-stake type model, right? We've seen some proof-of-stake networks just already collapse into that. And this could be somewhat the fate if all of uh, the, the, the stake goes to centralized exchanges. Okay, so it, I, I'm wondering how Rocket Pool combats this. Like, how do you guys compete against the central? I don't mind some centralized exchanges uh, get, getting their cut of the stake. In fact, I think that's that that's fine. I think that's a good thing. But if it's like 70, 80 percent, it's not fine. It's a bad thing. Okay. So like, and these are very well funded. I mean, like the, the Coinbases and Krakens of the world, God bless them. They're doing good things for, for, for crypto, but uh, we don't want them to eat the world, but they're incredibly well funded. They have massive resources. They have all the connections, you know, tons of employees. And they can offer amazing things to some of their customers. How does a rocket pool compete against that? I, I see our ETH as maybe one way to compete against that. Are you guys doing anything uh, by with with MEV getting getting some additional yield into our ETH? And how else do you compete against the centralized exchanges and give users a reason to use Rocket Pool rather than just you know stake inside of a inside of their Kraken account? Yeah, so like like I mentioned earlier, so currently if you're a node operator, staking within Rockpool is already the most profitable way to kind of basically stake your ether. Um, and also, as you mentioned, Ryan, uh, R8 getting it integrated into the ecosystem large and far would be an absolute, you know, game changer for Rockpool itself to have a decentralized liquid staking token as part of the, you know, as part of the ecosystem or almost a native element. Uh, so that alone, I think, would enable us to kind of really compete with these large entities. Uh, not to mention, um, currently Ari probably has one of the most attractive uh, return rates uh, from liquid staking token perspective currently. Uh, this is based because uh, the, the way the protocol kind of operates. So hopefully the built-in mechanisms, incentives into the protocol are already making it competitive and will continue to make it competitive uh, going forward on top of having RE integrated into many kind of uh, decentralized applications going forward. So, and one thing with uh, MEV, we are looking at that um, going forward. Uh, the merge is probably going to be our next focus in order to make sure uh, node operators, you know, anyone running validators in Rocket Pool, uh, can kind of uh, share, you know, some of the uh, some of the rewards through uh, the new mechanics that are going to be present after the merge. So this would enable RE in return to gain in value quicker and be worth more itself. So, you know, us building extra things into the protocol to enable node operators to perform better, to share, you know, certain rewards post-merge has an indirect effect on RE, which would then hopefully be, uh, you know, propagated throughout the ecosystem. So I think we're in a very good position to be um, quite competitive going forward. I guess one of the things RETH can say is that you're kind of betting on part of the bankless thesis, which is the, the protocol sync thesis, as David uh, alluded to, which is the most you know, decentralized 
risk-free staking, Ether staking bond will win in DeFi. That's kind of the bet, right? Rather than having a, a Kraken version of staked ETH and a Coinbase version of staked ETH where it's kind of like USDC, right? It's like you're dependent on this trusted uh, third party in order to protect it. You guys are betting on the protocol sync thesis and that our ETH is just adopted inside of the DeFi ecosystem. And then you're also making sure that uh, our ETH um, has a really competitive, maybe the highest uh, staking reward out there, right? Um, through various mechanisms and then adding MEV in the future. So this is kind of the bet that, that Rocket Pool is making and, and what you guys are banking on. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah that's pretty much on, on the money. <laughs> so I, I think I can speak for Ryan here when Ryan and I say that top, like over the grand scheme of things, if we re-roll this, the cryptocurrency experiment a uh, hundred times, one chain will kind of dominate because of the nature of money. Uh, we, uh, money generally converges onto one money and then uh, other monies kind, kind of lose out. Uh, do you guys also consider that true for the staked ETH fight inside of Ethereum? Do you kind of think it's kind of a, a winner-take-all fight for or, who or has winner the most, most. winner-take-most yeah. fight for uh, which has the most adopted staked ETH, staked ETH token? Yeah, I, I would probably agree with Brian on that. I think when it takes most would be the more apt. I don't think there'll ever be one truly only dominant kind of liquid second coin. Uh, so I think there will be, you know, there'll be ones that gain a large market share. And those are the ones that they can be uh, basically built into other protocols, you know, other decentralized applications. Um, and as far as, far as IRETH goes, being a decentralized liquid staking token, it matches naturally with a lot of these kind of applications already. I mean, if you have a, if you have a decentralized protocol that relies on a centralized liquid staking coin, it kind of defeats the purpose. But if you use a decentralized one, it's a perfect fit for you. A hundred percent. So what's the, what's the game plan for getting our ETH into all the DeFi apps? Or is that something that you guys are leaving up to the community? Um, we, we do have our own plans ourselves, but the community, <laughs> as, as usual, is charging for doing uh, some of this for us. So we have people, you know, providing uh, liquidity, some people, uh, you know, working on building R8 into, or actually doing proposals for R8 to be integrated in things like Maker and whatnot. So we have uh, our ever-present and always passionate community uh, helping us out with that while we kind of concentrate on a few other things as well as doing that ourselves. But we've got our hands in a, in a few different pies at the moment. Guys, this has been fantastic so far. We have uh, a lot more to cover in particular. We want to talk about the RPL token economics, uh, that the token price has been on a tear recently. Also talk a little bit more about business development for, for Rocket Pool, the total addressable market size of staking, where Rocket Pool is going next as far as pro product roadmap. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Matcha, everyone's favorite DEX aggregator, has just launched an open beta for gasless trading. So if you're trading more than $5,000 in common ETH and wrapped Bitcoin pairs, then your gas fees on Matcha are free. And that's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible price without any trading fees or unnecessary slippage. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your orders across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that, that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single and easy to use platform and has even saved me multiple times from accidentally picking the wrong decks to trade on and getting a bad price. Matcha also allows you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're 
away. So when you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz slash bankless, connect your wallet and start getting some of the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets. Alchemix is one of the coolest new DeFi apps on the scene. It introduces self-paying loans, allowing you to spend and save at the same time. Deposit the DAI stablecoin into the Alchemix vault in order to get an advance on the interest it generates. Borrow up to 50% of the total amount of your deposited DAI in the form of AlUSD stablecoin. Here's the craziest part. The loan pays itself back and you cannot be liquidated. Unlock your assets potential in the ultimate DeFi savings account. And brand new to Alchemix is the ETH vault where you can deposit ETH into the application, borrow AlETH against your deposits while having your advance gradually paid back over time. V2 is rapidly approaching, which will allow for even more collateral types plus a variety of yield strategies to choose from. Harness the power of Alchemix at alchemix.fi. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I-X dot F-I. Follow Alchemix on Twitter at alchemixfi and join the Discord to keep up to date with Alchemix V2 and to get involved in governance. All right, guys, we are back with the Rocket Pool team. And I want to tie off one bit of a conversation before we go any further, but there's so much left to talk about. Uh, we, we brought up the conversation of MEV. And uh, just for a TLDR, MEV is called my, uh, Maximum Extractable Value. It's what validators or and also miners can get by the power of being able to reorder transactions. They can reorder transactions and submit their own transactions in order to extract um, some value out of that, that power. This is uh, a very big conversation where we, we've done a ton of podcasts on this in the in the in the past, it's, it's like a 500, 501 level conversation, uh, and so lots of uh, previous content. So we can't really go into the dynamics here. But the point is that e staking allows to uh, extract more value out of the power to order transactions, and validators have this power. Uh, and so part of the value of our ETH as a staked ETH derivative token, part of the the value of our ETH comes from the ability to capture the value of MEV. But I want to. I just want to pin this question down. Who's responsible for actually capturing MEV? Is it the individual node operators, or is it Rocket Pool? And if it's the individual node operators, aren't some node operators going to be better at capturing MEV than others? How how does MEV dynamics play out with with Rocket Pool? Sorry, I'm I'm terrible at picking out names. Okay. Uh, uh, Sorry, uh, yeah, Derek, you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so node operators will be collecting MEV. Mm -hmm. um, so in actual fact, it'll uh, it'll be the execution client um, operator, um, which will probably be the same person as the node operator. Um, but, but to be specific, they uh, they will capture the um, the the um, MEV. Um, so we, we're actually kind of uh, announcing today uh, 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 we're part of the Flashbots ETH two working group um, to kind of make sure that um, MEV is ends up being a healthy um, aspect um, that, because it, it's going to be it's going to happen anyway and so it, it needs to be really kind of uh, a healthy aspect um, so yeah it, they they can they control it but what we will be doing is implementing a way so essentially they will be sharing it with the um, with our ETH users um, and so we can we can um, kind of do that so that'll be part of the next version of rocket pool or the continued development of Rocket Pool. It's still quite early days in, in that discussion, but um, that's, that's where we're going with it. 
This is kind of the reason that Dave uh, opened the the trader ch channel in the Rocket Pool Discord, right? Because it is going to happen anyway. This is these are <laughs> economic systems that that we're dealing with, and MEV is absolutely going to happen, and it could make a big difference, right? Could increase yield from four percent on Rocket Pool or five percent on Rocket Pool to like ten percent. And so, yeah. if Coinbase or Kraken is doing MEV type stuff and Rocket Pool isn't, well. Rockpool is not going to be able to offer the uh, the the highest yield, right? And so um, the Flashbots thing, if I understand it, this is just a rudimentary understanding, but Flashbots seeks to sort of democratize MEV. And so if you incorporate Flashbots into sort of what the the Rockpool node operators have to run, then you can kind of democratize MEV across all of the the node operators, and then share that basically share that back, pull that together in our ETH, right? So essentially, yeah. our ETH gets the full advantage of whatever Flashbots is getting from an MEV perspective. And so long as yeah. Flashbots, as kind of an MEV public good, is doing its job and uh, extracting close to the maximum amount of MEV possible, this should work out fine. Is is that a correct way of understanding yeah. it, Darren? Or there's some more yeah, subtleties that, that's here? The, no, no, that's that's exactly it. I mean, there's also um, it actually benefits node operators as well. And um, so one of the features that we are looking at, it's not a, a given yet, but um, it's certainly a feature that we're looking at, is essentially a smoothing pool. So MEV is very spiky. Uh, choppy, you, yeah. you get yeah, you get you get kind of um, very big uh, kind of proposals or very big. Um, bundles and you get um, smaller ones um, so it, it it's very spiky so one of the things that we're doing is putting this moving pool into place so that uh, node operators actually get uh, kind of share that MEV amongst themselves or amongst everyone so that essentially they get a, a much higher return than potentially they would do um, if they if they would kind of because it, essentially it's a roll of the dice um, each each time it's a roll of the dice, uh, whereas this kind of evens it out and gives them a, a, a kind of a smoother return. So, is there an incentive alignment issue here? Because if I have, if I'm running a node, I'm the one ordering the transactions, I'm the one collecting MEV. Do I have to give that over to the RETH holders, or or is there a, an incentive misalignment issue here? Uh, there is, and that's why we um, we put out a kind of a post a little while ago. Because um, it, it actually has it with uh, priority fees as well. Um, so by kind of particularly with priority fees, um, uh, if you if node operators aren't sharing that, because half of the um, half of the money essentially half of the ETH that is they're staking is not theirs. So um, it's essentially kind of a moral um, uh, or incentive kind of gap where we need to be able to kind of fill that in. So we we have a mechanism where. We can kind of, particularly with priority fees, we can definitely protect that. Uh, sorry, definitely um, detect that um, with um, MEV as well. That's why we're working with Flashbots to be able to kind of detect that as well. And then we do we do have a um, one the uh, incentive is the smoothing pool. So we have kind of a carrot and stick. The incentive is the smoothing pool, and then we have a disincentive, which is essentially a, a kind of penalty. Um, so if they do the wrong thing, then we have a penalty in there as well. So. Is that does that mean that um, is this this is a political choice, right? Because when you say about the morals of of giving out the the ETH, 
you're actually just determining that as part of what the network should be constructed. And you're saying that this is a fair construction. And I think other people will also think that this is fair. Therefore, it should be designed like this. But it's still subjective at the end of the day, right? Like, hey, I think people will adopt Rocket Pool more if we more if we distribute MEV rather than the node operators collecting it. Is that right? Yeah, and we, and we get a lot of feedback from our community on the, on this stuff as well. At the moment, we do play a kind of shepherding role and um, being kind of like the core um, devs, um, but we're kind of moving out of that um, uh, on an ongoing basis. So now that we um, have the Odell set up, um, that's kind of moving along those lines in terms of decentralizing that gut, that kind of part of that governance, um, and we'll be doing more and more of that as we as we go through. Very cool. So you said ODAO, and ODAO is about running a node for Rocket Pool, and that's what is about to come at the end of this next conversation. But at the very start of this conversation is the question, if I'm a solo, solo staker, I have my uh, computer, I've got my 32 ETH, why should I stake with Rocket Pool? What's the incentive for me to do it through the network? Um, so if you're a solo staker, obviously staking within Rocket Pool um, is is uh, more profitable. I mean, that's that's pretty much the main incentive. I mean, if you stake within Rocket Pool, um, you will get a commission for staking on behalf of the protocol, that other 16 other that comes from the deposit pool. Um, that That's a big one. You also get RPL rewards depending on how much you kind of um, put up an insurance promise in the way of collateral, RPL collateral. Um, but I mean, if you you are also you know working within another protocol, so if you're more risk adverse and you want to keep staking solo, that might that trade off might be worth staking solo just for, for you know for the help of the network as well. So it, it really comes down to um, yeah your individual node operator and what their kind of um, yeah their their kind of stance is on you know operating within a protocol and getting more you know more income or operating without just you know purely because they're not you know risk adverse in in any way shape or form. Yeah. So Dave, what does a, a node operator actually have to run as far as say, you know, a software? What are kind of the, the requirements for a node operator to uh, jump into the network? Um, it's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. So we have something called our smart node stack. So this is a, a stack that you will basically download as a node operator. Uh, it'll get you up and running really quickly. It comes bundled with an F1, F2 clients. You know, you can choose which ones you want. And as we touched on earlier, you know, if you choose an F2 client that might be Prism, it will kind of hopefully steer you in the direction of another client just for the help of the network. Um, and this is all a super simple package. So, like, you can try it out on our Prater testnet. Obviously, you don't need to run one straight on mainnet. You can, we have a testnet on Prater, uh, the Gorelli slash Prater testnet. Um, you can do that quite easily. All you need to do is download the stack, you know, have, have a Linux box or something set up. Um, pretty hardware requirements are pretty low. I mean, obviously, if you're running in F1, uh, if you we do provide the option to use light clients for F1, so like Infura and stuff like that as well. But uh, if you do want to run uh, get locally as part of this stack, that option is there, and you would need you know a fairly large SSD to kind of keep up that probably you know one point five ter uh, terabytes, something like that. Um, probably just for future proofing as well. Um, but the stack itself is super simple to get up and going. It's probably one of the easiest ways you can stake as a solo node operator or as, as part of the Rockpool protocol. Um, outside of Rockpool, that might be another incentive uh, for, for you know an external staker to kind of join Rockpool is the simplicity of this software, how it gets set up. Uh, it's all command line based, um, but it is it is super easy. I mean, I don't know if anyone's tried to start up a, you know, staking 
uh, through, through outside of Rockapool themselves, it can be a little daunting and there's a lot of different facets to go to it, but our package is all kind of rolled in one, uh, easy to go one that makes registering with Rockapool smart contracts and interacting with them uh, also pretty easy on top of that. I think uh, Bitcoin maximalists are in disbelief there, Dave, when you said uh, a node and Ethereum node is actually easy to run with uh, Rocket Pool. But I can attest, um, we're actually running one ourselves. So we're going to talk about the ODAO network ourselves. And Bankless, uh, the, the entity, is part of the ODAO network where we're supporting Rocket Pool in this. Uh, this is an image of a Raspberry Pi in an undisclosed secret Bankless location. One of our DevOps friend, yeah, one of our DevOps friends uh, has set up for us, and this is uh, this is you know validating on the Rocket Pool network as an Oracle node, and it's running the stack that you're talking about. So it's running the Rocket Pool um, you know, smart stack. It's also running uh, a Geth node. It's also running. I think we're uh, running the Nimbus client because that was kind of a minority client that we wanted to to prop up. So look, man, it's running on a Raspberry Pi. Bitcoin maximalists, this can be done. We can run an ETH node, okay? It's not impossible. And Rocket Pool has definitely made it uh, easier. Can you talk about that for a minute? Though we mentioned uh, ODAL. Uh, what, is, um, what is kind of uh, ODAL and um, you know, what are their responsibilities? Okay, so the ODAL is what we call the Oracle DAO within Rocket Pool. So this is, this is something that kind of enforces checks and balances within the network. It's an actual on-chain DAO made up of uh, various members, ourselves, Bankless. Uh, we have a bunch of the client teams in there as well, the F2 client teams. Um, you know, both the main uh, block explorers, Etherscan, um, Beacon Chain as well. So it's a it's a DAO made up of, um, you, know, you know, people in the ecosystem have, who had the, um, or oh, have the ecosystem's best interests in mind. So yeah, that, that's, that's it just there. So, what this is, this is an on-chain set of uh, nodes within the Rocket Pool network. Uh, they operate, like I said, in a true on-chain DAO. Members can be invited. Members can be kicked if they misbehave. You know, members must place a bond um, to basically join. Uh, and their main purpose is to relay data back from the F2 chain to the F1 chain. So the Beacon chain is separate um, from the F1 chain, and we need to kind of keep track of the performance of all the validators within the Rocket Pool network. Uh, these guys do that. And they also report back to our smart contracts so that our ETH balance can get updated daily. So uh, they're, they're very important and they operate through a consensus mechanism. So that any data that gets reported back from the beacon chain to the main chain requires at least 51% of these node operators to agree. So no you know, single ODAO node operator can kind of go rogue and start reporting back you know, insane balances to throw up the RH ratio or something. It's all done through a consensus mechanism and they also are in charge of uh, enforcing uh, something that we came across recently was the ability to submit a deposit to the beacon chain uh, using different credentials than the smart node would provide you essentially. So it's kind of a way to, to basically cheat the rocket pool system and uh, almost, almost steal a deposit. So what we've done to uh, kind of enable this is these ODAO nodes perform certain checks and balances to make sure uh, signatures for deposits are valid um, if they're not valid, then you essentially get a whole bunch of other stuck on the big chain and can only withdraw that uh, when withdrawals are enabled. So they provide uh, enforcement, but most importantly, they provide uh, reporting, which is why they're called Oracle Notes. So um, they, they have a whole bunch of um, important duties, but those are probably the two most uh, important ones. And 
Um, yeah, so they, they operate in their own DAO and you might see new members come and go based on invitations proposed by current members. So we, we, are, no, we are not in control of this DAO. We don't have the majority. Um, so it's a true, true on-chain DAO that uh, we've designed for, for Rockapool. True to the nature of DAOs, Rockapool becoming more of like a, a collection of, of micro-organizations resembling one larger organization. Uh, and somebody in the YouTube comments is uh, making it very well known that the the documentation for downloading a Rocketpool node is fantastic. Uh, and so if you want to both like join a DAO and a community and also learn how to run your own node, uh, maybe Rocketpool is the place for you to go. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us some of your time. We just have a few topics of conversations left. And Dave, you've been uh, talking about some of the dynamics behind the RPL token, and I want to formally flesh out that conversation here. RPL, it's a token that is used, as, as you've been saying, insurance. Uh, can you talk about, can you just illustrate again what the role of the RPL token is in the Rocket Pool network and how it gives you the, the crypto economic sustainability that all systems need? Yeah, absolutely. So like I touched on earlier, um, Insurance to make sure node operators perform is a big one because we don't know who these node operators are. We don't, we don't know, you know, if they have a good setup, they have a bad setup, you know, they, it's permissionless. They, they can just join if they can, you know, perform the duty. So in order to uh, ensure they perform these duties, they need to basically stake an insurance promise in the form of our RPL token. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put up a big, you know, kind of insurance bond to say, all right, um, I'm confident in my node operating ability. Here's a big stake of RPL. If I mess up, you can slash a bunch of that and that will automatically get sold at auction by our smart contracts. That ever that is um, basically earned through that sale is then given back to R8 users or it's basically inserted back into the deposit pool, which enables R8 users to continue earning uh, rewards. So this is all part of the tokenomics built in the rocket pool. That, that's just one aspect of RPL. So it actually has a couple of use cases uh, beyond that. Um, it's a utility wise and it's, it's extremely valuable to the protocol. Basically, um, if, like I mentioned earlier, um, if with the Oracle nodes, if they detect an invalid deposit signature uh, through any of these validators that are created within the Rockpool network, you know, it's basically someone trying to cheat the system, um, it will basically, um, yeah, get, get rid of some of your RPL as well that you put up. Um, also for the smoothing pool that Lang has touched on earlier regarding to the MEV, um, yeah, that's an enforcement mechanism there, kind of a carrot stick approach where uh, if you don't basically forward on these extra rewards that are in the way of MEV, uh, you know, a few of the other aspects of that, uh, we can almost slash your RPL um, based on that kind of uh, road behavior where you're not participating in the protocol's best interest, you're trying to cheat the RETH users out of their fair share of the rewards because you're staking half for their ether as well. So that's a couple of it. Um, we also have the, the Oracle uh, DAO bond. So the Oracle DAO bond is in RPL as well. So this is a, a bond to make sure these node operators within the ODAO uh, perform their duties correctly and don't try to cheat the system anyway. If members kind of see, you know, one of these nodes is going rogue or, you know, just plain up not reporting, they've disappeared or somewhere like that. Uh, these members have the option to uh, kick that member with an optional burn to their original bond. So uh, that's kind of a, another characteristic approach to make sure that you are working in the protocol's uh, best interest through uh, financial incentives. So there's a multitude of reasons, and there's probably more that I actually haven't touched on right now, but that's that's pretty much uh, a large part of our token. Oh, I should say, sorry, I um, almost forgot to touch on um, RPL built into Rockball is inflationary. So in order to drive, uh, you know, these players that to all work in each other's best interest, they get a certain proportion of this uh, inflation. Um, that 
then gives them a financial sentence to make sure uh, the protocol keeps on operating the way it should. So ODAO nodes get a portion of this. Regular node operators, as I said earlier, get a portion is based on the amount of insurance that they're putting up uh, and so forth as well. So it's, it's um, yeah, it, it's a multifaceted uh, token at the moment that plays a pretty key part uh, in the protocol. Because um, our tokenomics were worked on by FireEyes and, and us over quite some time. So it's not something we just slap together overnight. It's a very kind of uh, thought out system. So let me let me see if I can regurgitate the gist and see if this is if this is correct. Uh, Ethereum as a protocol incentivizes alignment by making you stake your ether to Ethereum, and then if you um, uh, validate transactions correctly, then you get Ether rewards. If you do it incorrectly, then you get slashed. Uh, Rocket Pool is a layer on top of Ethereum. And so you, as a node operator, can come to Rocket Pool instead of with 32 ETH, you can come with the minimum of 16 ETH. But my question is, uh, since you since Rocket Pool already enforces 16 ETH on the node operators, isn't that the insurance for, uh, for honest behavior? Because you guys don't allow somebody to bring a node with zero ETH. They have to have at least half of the ETH, which incentivizes the alignment behind uh, the, the node operators and the depositors of ETH. Um, and and so is is a first question is is isn't that already the thing that incentivizes alignment? Uh, actually, I'll, I'll let you answer that question before moving on. Uh, yeah. So to a certain degree. So beyond a mass slashing event, that will pretty much decimate any kind of node operators uh, deposit beyond that. Um, and as I touched on earlier, um, also the ensuring they're playing in the protocol's best interest through uh, MEV through ODAO. Um, yeah, and basically uh, depositing uh, correct withdrawal credentials. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of facets going to that. But yes, so if if a node operator does perform just minimally badly, they, it's taken from their ether because we don't need to sell that auction. If it's a mass slashing event, then beyond what they put up at 16 ether. And if we ever uh, want to reduce that for any reason in the future, we kind of need that appeal there to back up uh, that other amount in case it's not sufficient um, for the penalties incurred. And the penalties are getting worse on other um, on the beacon turn as well. They are increasing these gradually. Um, I, I think you'll see the, the few slashing events that happened so far haven't been that severe, but they are ramping up the severity on that based on the maturity of the, of the beacon chain. So since Rocket Pool is a network on top of a network, Rocket Pool is on top of Ethereum, there are just additional behaviors that can, there are additional surface area that can be attacked uh, and so you guys, just, the, the Rocket Pool system just uses the RPL token as kind of a, a universal plug of the uh, attack surface areas. Is that kind of a way, a way to describe it? Yeah, that, that's pretty good. So, yeah, and obviously incentivizing uh, correct behavior to not uh, mm -hmm. try and exploit any of those uh, avenues, yeah. So uh, one critique I've heard of, of the RPL model is that it's uh, capitally intensive, uh, where uh, it's you can if you have 32 ether, you can go and stake 32 ether. You could either run your own node, or you could just do it with Coinbase or whatever, uh, or you could do it with Rocket Pool and try and get some of the RPL rewards as well in order to you know maximize your returns. But in order to do that, you actually have to bring more than 32 ETH to the table. You have to bring 32 ETH plus the sum of Rocket Pool that you also need to bond. Uh, so so does this token model make uh, make the Rocket Pool system capitally intensive? 
Um, well, most of our, well, our node representative required to bring 16 ether to the table plus 1.6 ether of RPL based on the minimal insurance bond. Uh, so if you had 32 ether um, outside of that, you could obviously take that to Coinbase or somewhere else and stay true to them. Um, if you bring it to Rockpool, you can actually have, you know, create two validators and double your chances of getting proposals uh, as well, which is another financial kind of incentive to that uh, on top of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it would really come down to the node operator, but I mean, 16 ether is still a lot and we are definitely looking at other ways to kind of uh, reduce that in the future and still keep node operators uh, incentivized to perform. So the reason why we do 16 ether down the middle at the moment is because if you you have as much online as the protocol does. So if you mess up uh, any kind of small way, then the protocol, you suffer as much as the protocol does because your rewards are ultimately based on uh, your performance as a validator uh, in, in the Rockpool protocol. So um, yeah. I want to get uh, you know Trader Channel Discord for a second here. What is up with the the RPL price <laughs> here lately, guys? Uh, it's been absolutely incredible. So a year ago, um, market cap was like fifty million, and now here we are, like eight hundred and fifty million. Um, you know, is this part of? I, I know there was a token economic redesign. Do you think that played a role? Do you think it's just like market sentiment around? Hey, Beacon Chain launched and the thing shipping. Or do you have any other uh, explanations for this? Or should we just head to uh, the Trader Channel or Discord and hear their theories instead? <laughs> uh, yeah, you could definitely get a trading channel for that. Um, but, I mean, for, for me personally, um, obviously, it, it's been a project which couldn't really be realized until smart contract withdrawals were enabled on the Beacon Chain. That was something that only happened around February this year. So I don't know where that coincides with uh, the price of things, but... Um, obviously, once that was announced into the spec for uh, Ethereum 2, that meant Rockapool could be truly decentralized. Uh, around that time, we we're also going through audits and whatnot, and we went through uh, three rounds of audits with uh, some of the biggest in the industry to kind of um, make sure the protocol was, was safe to use, was efficient in what it did. Um, so I think a culminative of those events kind of leading up to our launch. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, we've, we've been around for forever. So people, and we also never really overly tried to, to push uh, the token price at all. I mean, that's, that's not really what we're here for. We're here to build a protocol and our success in building a decentralized protocol would be reflected in the price, but we don't try to overly push price or anything like that. That's, that's the trading channels, guys. <laughs> you know, I just love the, the RPL community because uh, somebody, again, from the YouTube comments is saying, the uh, strongest cat alive saying, uh, we don't watch the US dollar price, Ryan. We watch the ETH ratio when it comes to <laughs> RPL price. And so that, that's how you know. That's how you know. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. What, what are RPL holders more bullish on ETH or RPL? That's going like, <laughs> to be hard for them to pick though. Uh, so as we come to a close guys, I want to ask you a couple questions about maybe the rocket bull roadmap and then the Ethereum roadmap. Uh, but Darren, uh, can you talk about the, uh, the rocket pool roadmap? Like what's, what's coming next here? Is there a plan to expand into staking for other chains or do you guys intend to be sort of like ENS style Ethereum only? Tell us a bit about the roadmap. So, uh, so in terms of the kind of chain discussion, um, we're not really against other chains, but um, we're certainly we want to do one thing well, and uh, Ethereum has uh, enough for us to do. If you know what I mean, there's a there's a lot to unpack just in the Ethereum ecosystem. And and to be honest, we are we are kind of Ethereum. Um, uh, we, we, Are you we, gonna use the M word? Uh, you about to use the M word? No. no. 
we, we just we just align with the ideals. There we go. Um, Same. So that's, and and we and and, and we, we love the, the community and the ecosystem as well. So I think that's the that's the the real the real thing there. Um, so we probably won't see um, other chains um, soon. Um, but we, we're not ruling it out. But that's 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 where we are at the moment. Um, uh, with in terms of the roadmap, the the big focus is on integrations. So um, wallets, liquidity pools, block explorers, lending protocols, um, oracles, data feeds, and all that sort of thing. And um, so we're we're rolling those out as 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 quickly as we can, so that we can get our ETH everywhere. Um, the the other things that are on the roadmap. Obviously, very close is the merge. Um, so we we definitely have some work to do around that. Uh, we're trying to leverage L two as much as possible. So that that's definitely something that we're um, keeping our eye on as well. Um, so yeah, this, it's going to be a very very busy next few months. Yeah, is the merge going to be a big lift for you guys? Is this going to be a, uh, a a pretty massive undertaking? And what um, you know, when do you think that's coming? Do you think this is really going to happen uh, for first half of next year? Or given all of your roadmap experience with Ethereum, uh, do you think it could take a little bit longer? <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's good for us to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think uh, we'll we'll leave that up to the core devs to 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 um, put a, a date on that. But um, yeah, we we we're, we're definitely excited about the merge. Uh, it, it's a game changer really for us um, because it means that validators are are you know um, first class citizens in 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 Ethereum. So uh, it it it'll be a very very uh, good time for us. Well, guys, uh, closing questions. Then we we asked about the the roadmap for uh, for Rocket Pool. Now let's talk a little bit about the the roadmap for uh, Ethereum. And this kind of this final question. I, I've gotten the sense throughout this discussion that um, the thing that keeps you guys going is like this uh, decentralization maximalist kind of ideology in alignment with uh, the values that are so core uh, to to Ethereum. Um, maybe could you talk about that a little bit? Like, what, why does Ethereum align so closely with their values, with your values, and what are those values? And also, like, what do you think about Ethereum's roadmap at this point in time? Like, is Ethereum going to make it? Are you, are you in your in your cycle of uh, being bullish, or you know, kind of kind of worried about Ethereum? Where are you in the cycle? Maybe let's start with David. So values, and then what do you think about the uh, the the future of Ethereum? Um, yeah, as far as values goes, I'd, I'd like to think our work so far kind of speaks for itself in that regard. Um, working for, you know, almost close to five years on Rockapool at this point to kind of bring decentralized staking to Ethereum. Um, yeah, that, I mean, obviously that's a massive, massive commitment and it, we put in the time. Um, personally, I just, I think it's, I just, I love that kind of aspect of creating a fair and equal system rather than having kind of everything centralized around one entity. And um, yeah, that's just for me personally. Uh, as far as the Ethereum roadmap goes and uh, whatnot, that's we've had a lot of experience with that in the past. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I won't speculate on their their kind of um, you know where they're headed with things and whatnot. But um, I am definitely on on board with Ethereum 110%. Always have been since I pretty much got into it. So, uh, I'm not going to use that word either, but. Um, yeah, I'm very much, um, yeah, a kind of a, a one-chain guy. I can't, I can't see it, uh, any oh, touch wood. I can't think, see anything replacing Ethereum for a long, long time. Um, probably the most bullish factor for me is the fact that they're constantly evolving and they're constantly looking at ways to improve things. I mean, 
if you get scared of change, it's just going to stagnate uh, your chain and whatnot. And eventually someone will come along with something better and replace it. But Ethereum is constantly evolving. I mean, they've done some absolutely amazing things uh, with the protocol to date. And I think once we see the merge happen and whatnot, it's, it's, it's just going to get even better. So I'm 110% on board, yeah. Darren, how about from your perspective, uh, Ethereum roadmap and the values? Yeah, I think that's a, I get really excited about these kind of participation value networks um, and uh, the kind of open source nature of Ethereum itself. And also um, that then that's essentially what kind of Rocket Pool um, is. So they're the things that I kind of um, uh, get me excited about the whole thing. I like the fact that, and as Dave said, I like the fact that they're ever evolving and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think that there's there's a. I'm very very uh, excited about seeing what the future of Ethereum looks like. Um, more and more, I'm surprised at what what's going on in the ecosystem. How um, bigger things are. Um, how you know a, more. Uh, mainstream is paying attention. That's that's like the this this year is has been uh, kind of amazing. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm really really keen to find out what happens. Darren, David, thank you guys so much for guiding us through Rocket Pool, and thank you for your work. Uh, it's a fantastic network to be part of, and looking forward to uh, to hearing more. Looking forward to the merge. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us in Bankless. Yeah, our, our pleasure, guys. Thanks for having us on again. Um, yeah, always happy to, to have a chat. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Action items for you Bankless listeners. First of all, you can go stake on Rocket Pool if you so choose at rocketpool.net. Pick yourself up some art ETH when you do that. Also, we'll include in the show notes a link to an RPL investment thesis Reddit post uh, that we saw recently from a community manager. If you're looking to get an overview of the token economics and the bull case, maybe some of that Discord trader chatter, you can check out that post and get some of the thesis. Of course, risks and disclaimers. RPL is risky. ETH is risky. So is ETH staking. All of crypto is risky, guys. This is DeFi, all right? You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast, and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.